Amen, church. Let's worship him today. Lord, we thank you, Heavenly Father, for what you have done for us on the cross, Lord. We thank you that you are alive and you are well and you're interceding on our behalf, Lord. That you are functioning on the right hand of the Father, Lord. We thank you for that, Lord. We give you the praise and the glory and the honor in this place right now, Lord. We thank you for that, Heavenly Father. Hallelujah, Lord. You are worthy of it all, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen, amen. And the church says, amen, amen. Bless you, church. A couple of, just a few announcements. One, one major announcement. I want to thank you for your time and your effort and your energy and uh, just everything that comes along with that. For our fireworks stand, we had an, an, another amazing year. Um, I know it didn't look like it because we had a lot of uh, stuff left over, but let me tell you, I found out that they gave us about $9,000 more in merchandise than they had in the years before. So that's why our stand was still pretty full, because that was another almost $18,000 in retail that was sitting in our stand. And so uh, we had to bring another truck, and normally we come back to TNT with just a few boxes. I think they don't like that. I think they thought maybe we weren't selling enough, and so they... Gave us a lot more, but we uh, had a record sell amount again this past season, uh, this past uh, for the Fourth of July year, or whatever you want to call it, the Fourth of July weekend. And so I thank you for your time and your energy uh, for that, because we could not have done it without you guys. And so it took a whole team effort with Anthony staying the night, and Mike and Liz, and and you know working most days, and just everyone who donated, you know, an hour or two of their time or a day, and it just. It was awesome, and it, and it took, you know, all of us to make that happen, and so we thank you. Give yourself a... So we'll, uh, looking forward to what God has in store with the funds that we've raised for that. Um, also, prayer night is uh, July 25th. Uh, there will be no women's Bible study this month uh, in July. We're going to postpone that until August 15th, I believe it is. Uh, and then also, um, don't forget to check out our new website, New Life. Fontana.com. Remember, you can uh, uh, send your tithes and your offering through that if you want. Um, also, you can listen to our latest sermons that are uploaded there on a weekly basis, and uh, just some our calendar, our monthly calendar, and see what we have planned. And then we have a back to school barbecue on July 28th, and more information will be coming this coming Sunday um, regarding uh, all that's going to go on there. Uh, other than that, the rest of them are in your announcements. Tomorrow we have Bible study at the Ames' house at 7 p.m., so don't forget about that. And I think that sums it all up. Let's go before the Father in prayer as we partake in our uh, tithes and our offering. Heavenly Father, we come before you today, Lord Jesus. And I just thank you, Lord, for your presence that's here, Heavenly Father. I thank you, Heavenly Father, for each individual that's here, Lord. I thank you for your presence that's here, Heavenly Father. I ask you, Lord, to speak to our lives, Heavenly Father. Encourage us, Lord. Use your word, Heavenly Father, just to encourage us and, 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 and for us just to come to a realization of who you are a little more deeper today, I pray, Lord. I thank you, Heavenly Father, for what you have in store for us today, Lord. I ask you, Lord, use me as a vessel to bring forth your glory and what you want to be said in this place, Lord. I thank you for our tithes and our offering. I thank you for the ability to give, Lord. And I thank you, Heavenly Father, for the, the finances that you provide week in and week out, Lord. I ask you to bless each one, the gift and the giver, we pray. In Jesus' precious name. Amen, amen. Youth, you may be dismissed. We'll be jumping around the 
book of Exodus again today, starting with uh, chapter 8, and we'll be ending in chapter 10. So if you see that up there, we're not going to be reading all of those verses, because then I wouldn't be preaching today. So we'll be jumping around, and so you can follow along in the projector or in your Bibles. But this morning, my sermon might kind of shock you, but it's a deal with the devil, and I'll explain what that is and what that entails in just a second, because I guarantee you, I've done it, and you've done it, and we'll explain of what that is in just a minute, so there's a little cliffhanger there for you, but this morning, we're going to continue studying the book of Exodus. If you, uh, if you missed last week, or if you were here last week, you remember that we began to look at the plagues of, of, uh, that was placed upon Egypt, that God placed upon Egypt, and we saw that Moses performed some miracles. He turned the rod, and we, we saw the rod was turned into a, a snake, and we saw Pharaoh summon his magicians, and they did the exact same thing, right? We saw also that Moses and Aaron took water from the Nile, or actually not took water from the Nile, changed the water in the Nile to blood, and the Egyptians did, and the magicians of the Egyptians did the exact same thing. Thing. We saw that they called frogs out, and frogs were everywhere, and the, the magicians did the same thing. And then Aaron stood in the sand, and he turned it into gnats. And when they turned it into gnats, they said, uh-oh, this is the hand of God. We can't do that any longer. We can't do anything. This is really, truly God. And we saw that they, could, they, they just couldn't perform that same miracle. We saw that what seemed to be the same miracle wasn't the same miracle. In fact, it was a what? We used the word last week as a counterfeit. There was one person listening last week. Amen. And so a counterfeit. And we saw it was a counterfeit. And what is a counterfeit? It is a fake. It is a fraud. It is a phony. It is not the real thing. We, we, what we saw about the counterfeit, it was powerless, right? It was worthless. It was limited. And counterfeit is conquered. Counterfeit faith is conquered by real faith. Amen? And this morning we're going to piggyback off of that, that counterfeit. And I want to look at a word called compromise compromise all right now compromise is defined as this an agreement or a settlement of a dispute that is reached by each side making a concession a compromise you give a little i give a little we meet in the middle right and you think compromise compromise is needed it's needed right well, you're if you're married compromise is needed my wife's not going to let me not do the dishes all the time. I have to compromise and do the dishes, make the wife happy, because everyone knows a happy wife is a happy life, right? And if the wife's not happy, and life's not happy, and it's just not fun. So you compromise. There's things that I do that she just doesn't like to do, and there's things that she does that I don't like to do. And we learn those things, and we come to an agreement, and we give a little, and we compromise in those things, right? There's sometimes that, you know, we, we, we go out to eat, and she wants this particular something, and I don't want it. But because I love her, I compromise, and I go, and then vice versa sometimes she doesn't want to eat pizza for the fifth day in a row, but she does it because she loves me, right? 
And so he compromised. When you buy a car, when you negotiate, the dealership wants to charge you above the retail value. You want to get the car for free. So what do you do? You compromise. You come in the middle. You give a little bit. You wanted to pay 400 but you walked out there paying 420 because somewhere in the middle, the dealership met you, and you came to a compromise. I remember when we were buying a house a few years ago, we wanted to stay in Fontana Rialto and told myself I would never live in San Bernardino, but guess where I'm living at? In San Bernardino. Because I compromised in the area of I will stay to the upper north-hand corner of San Bernardino because we were looking for a particular price point, a particular house size, and we compromised and we found what we were looking for. There are things that we need to compromise on, but I'm here to tell you today our faith is not one of those things we compromise on. Amen? You can compromise on with your wife or your friend or your boss, but you do not compromise on your faith. And you know what happens when we compromise on our faith? You know what we do? We make a deal with the devil. Think about that. We make a deal with the devil. You might be saying, I've never made a deal with the devil. If you've compromised, and I have, you've made a deal with the devil. We all have accepted less than God's will in our life, and we've accepted less than God's will. What we've done is, in, in, in really plain out terms, we've made a deal with the devil. Think about that hard it hits hard but that's the absolute truth when we when we make a deal with the devil what happens is we accept an offer that is different than god's will for our lives we all have done it i'm not the only one that's done it right we've all have done it we've all have compromised and we've all have made a deal with the devil moses this morning we're going to see he was given Four different opportunities to compromise. Four times Pharaoh, as, 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 a, as, as a form of Satan, right, wanted to compromise with Moses. Offered him different things four different times. And Moses turned down each one of them. See, the whole point of the plague was for God to bring his people out of uh, uh, Egypt, right? Out of slavery, out of bondage. And also for Egypt and Pharaoh to realize who was God in their life. If Moses compromised, if he made a deal with Pharaoh, what he would be doing is he would be accepting less than what God wanted for his life. And in turn, he would have been making a deal, per se, with the devil. Think about that. Don't accept less than what God has and God's will for your life. I'm going to say that again. Don't accept less than God's will and his way for your life. The key here is not to compromise. The key here is to stand firm on the word of God. The key here is to stand firm on his promises. The key here is not to compromise, but stand firm. Amen? This morning we're going to see Pharaoh wanted to make a deal. And there was four uh, 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 deals that he, he presented to Moses. He could have accepted any one of them. Any one of them. Because each deal, uh, Pharaoh gave him more 
and more and more. And he could have said, well, listen, this might be the only deal I get. I'm going to accept it. But he didn't. I want to encourage you this morning not to settle, not to compromise, but stand firm on the promises of God and do not make a deal with the devil. Amen. Turn your Bibles to Exodus chapter 8. Starting with verse 25, it says, Then Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Go sacrifice to your God here in the land. But Moses said, That would not be right. The sacrifice we offer the Lord our God would be detestable to the Egyptians. And if we offer sacrifice that are detestable in their eyes, will they not stone us? We must take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God as he commands us. The first thing I want you to see that Satan provides us that Pharaoh provided Moses was the deal of staying put. It was the deal of staying where you are at. After the fourth, fourth plague of flies, Pharaoh begins to budge, it seems, a little bit, and he, and he says, listen, you want to sacrifice, you can, but you're not leaving Egypt to do so. See, the deal was presented to Moses was for him and the Israelites to sacrifice there in Egypt. Stay here in Egypt, sacrifice. But there was two problems with the deal. The one problem Moses mentioned is it was detestable to Egyptians. And if it was detestable to Egyptians, what could have happened was there had been riots. Egyptians might have, I mean, sorry, Israelites might have died. Israelites would have gotten hurt. It was not right because the animals that would have been sacrificed were deities in Egypt, and they would not accept that happening. Of course, Pharaoh didn't care because Pharaoh, these are slaves to Pharaoh. He didn't care if they lived or died, really. So it didn't matter. He was trying to make Moses happy, get him out of his hair, and make a deal with Moses. Moses says, no, I'm not doing that. But the second thing he says is in found in, in verse 27, he says, uh, 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 we must take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifice to the Lord our God as he what commanded us as he commanded us God told Moses to go to Egypt bring his people out of Egypt that's what he commanded of Moses let me tell you this if he agreed to worship in Egypt if he agreed with Pharaoh he would have been compromising God's command for his life and the two million people in Egypt, the Israelites in Egypt, he would have been compromising the command of God. The deal that, that Pharaoh presented to Moses is the deal that Satan provides for us today. The deal is don't change anything. Don't change anything. Stay where you're at. Don't try to change. Don't try to move. Don't try to do things. Stay in your sin. Everything is fine. The devil wants us to believe a deal that you can have, have God and you can have the world. You can have both. You can party on a Friday and come to church on a Sunday. Satan will love us. Believe uh, that lie. The devil comes and wants us to believe that lie. He's saying when you become a Christian, you don't have to change anything in your lifestyle you can have the world and you can have jesus too you'll embrace him embrace him you will embrace him or you will embrace the world look at what matthew 6 24 is what jesus says no one can serve two masters either you will hate the one 
and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. We have a choice to make, a deal to make. Which way are we going to go? Amen? We can continue to take what the world's offer and reject God, or we can accept God and reject the world. Amen? Let me tell you this. Think about this. The whole purpose of, of Egypt coming out, I'm sorry, Israel coming out of Egypt was to take him where? To the promised land. It was to the promised land. Think about this. If Moses took the deal and said, you know what? We're taking your deal. They would have never made it to the promised land. They would have never seen God work in their lives. They would have never gotten the land that was promised to them if they compromised. Think about that. You will remain where you are currently at if you continue to compromise. You will never experience true victory or the power of God if we continue to compromise in our life. Let me tell you this, church. Don't sell yourself short. And I'm going to even tell you something further. Don't sell God short in your life. Because if you do, you will never see the full potential he has for you. Because you've accepted a deal that was less than God's will for your life. Don't sell yourself short. Don't sell God short in your life. Don't do it. If they did it, they would have never received the promised land. If we do it, we will never receive the promises that God has for us if we're constantly selling us and selling him short. I want you to see a verse in James 4.8. He says, come near to God and he will do what? Come near to you. You know what the, the, the word come means? It's an action verb. It means to move. It means to travel. It doesn't mean to stay put. It doesn't say stay where you're at and God's going to come to you. It says come near to God and God will come near to you. If you move towards God, God will come near to us. But if we stay where we're at and we compromise, God's not going to come near to us. we got to take that initiative and therefore God will come to us. Amen? It's an action word. It doesn't say stay near. It says come near to God. Amen? Second thing I want us to see, right, after, right out of the gates, verse 28, he tells us this. He says, Pharaoh said, I will let you go to offer sacrifices to the Lord your God in the wilderness, but you must not go very far. Now pray for me. He just wants one thing. He wants, to, he wants Moses out of his hair. He wants the plagues to stop. Pray for me. Pray for me so you, this all can stop, right? And he, and he counters him right, right away. Second thing I want us to see is the deal of not changing. The deal of not changing. After Moses told Pharaoh it would work, it wouldn't work, he, 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 he countered quickly, right? Pharaoh, next verse. So I'll let you go to offer sacrifice and wilderness, but don't go too far. Stay, stay local here. A new plague wasn't given. It was a negotiation, right? It's like buying that car. You, you know, you, you, you say, tell the, the sales manager no. He goes right in there and he comes right back out. Okay, would you do, you know, another $20 more, whatever it may be? 
right? He didn't figure nothing else out. He's just trying to get the most amount of money he can from you. Same thing. I'm just trying to get, get the most I, I can. I just want to get out of my hair. I just want to make sure I can get away with the least, right? Pharaoh wanted, really. And, and of course, Moses wanted more because it wasn't God's will. He said, go offer sacrifices in the wilderness, but don't go too far. Don't go too far. He was fine with Moses leaving, but he was not fine with Moses going too far. Say that with me, too far. See, the deal Satan offers us today is proclaim you're a Christian by mouth, but do not proclaim you're a Christian by action. Don't go too far. Be a Christian but don't go too far. Don't take it too far. See, Satan is okay if you're a Christian that doesn't take it too far. So the study was conducted, and listen to this study I found from the Pew Research Center. And I narrowed it down to the western United States, since we're in the west, from the, the west border of the United States all the way to the border of New Mexico and Texas up to the northern border of Montana and North Dakota. People that were surveyed, 64% of the people said they are a Christian faith. Okay, keep that in mind. 64% they are a Christian faith. 56% of the people surveyed said they absolutely believe in God. 64 said they are a Christian faith. 56 said they only believe in absolute, that there's absolute God. That means there's 8% people who identify as Christians that don't believe that there's an absolute God. That's shocking when you think about it. Should be at least 64% of people, if they if they're proclaim that they're Christians, believe that there's an absolute God. 32% say that they were surveyed, say that they uh, go to church at least once a week. 32% say that they at least read their scriptures once a week. 50% say they never read their scripture, never read the word. 50% say that. 65% say believe in heaven. They believe in heaven. And only 50% believe in hell. That means there's 15% of people that believe in a heaven, right, more than they believe in a hell. It should be at least a 65% because if you're Christians, right, 65%, 64 were Christians in the survey, 65% believes in heaven. At least 65% needs to believe in hell. You can't believe in heaven and not hell. Think about that. Think about Fontana. There's, in 2017, there was 211,000 people in Fontana. If we had 64% who professed the faith of a Christian taking the western United States average, 64%, there would be 135,000 people in church on a Sunday morning in the city of Fontana. We can fill out that big giant raceway and have an overflow in the parking lot of people for a church service if that was the case. But let me tell you, that's not the case because there's a small fraction of that, a few percentage of that, that are actually in church. And I would say actually not just in church today, but are actual church goers. Think about that. These statistics prove that Satan is okay with us proclaiming that we are Christians with our mouth, but not by our action. There is a change that needs to occur. Amen? 2 Corinthians 5.17. We know this. 
It's on our search that we we ordered. It says, therefore, if anyone is is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. Paul says it's a new creation. For newness to happen, you need to be pruned. You need to be plucked. You need to remove things from your life. You have to. Because there's things that will hold you back. I remember when I first started dating my wife and she became a Christian and, and she was going back and forth. And if she wants, she can you know, tell you more in detail one-on-one. But there was, there was friends that, that just totally distanced themselves. And there was friends that she totally had to distance herself with. I remember one of them called us up on the morning of our wedding and said, I'm not going to make it to your wedding. I got something else to do. You know, the friend that she had, a co-worker, very close to her for years. But those things need to occur for new things to grow. You don't grow off of an old vine. You grow off of a new vine. You plug, you purge, you remove it so new things can grow. Amen? But Satan doesn't want us to go too far. He doesn't want us to stand out too much. He doesn't want us to be different than the world around us. If we're not different than the world around us, we'll not notice our new life. Satan wants us to talk the same, watch the same movies, listen to the same music, do the same things as the world. He's okay with us having church on a Sunday, but he wants us to forget about it on a Monday. Amen? Satan would love for you to believe this lie. He doesn't want you to go too far. He wants you to remain in bondage. As long as you remain in bondage, he's okay with it. You know what happens to bondage? We get used to bondage. And we live in our bondage, in our chaos, in our troubles, in our issues, and it becomes normal life. For us. You know, it's, it's amazing. I work for the county of San Bernardino. I, 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 I watch generational welfare. And people become, their mindset has become that this is normal life and they know no better. And because they know no better of it, they live in it and they pass it on to their, their, their kids and their kids live in it. And they pass it on to their kids. It's generational. But the same thing with bondage is we're in bondage and we become so used to the chaos that we don't realize that we're in the bondage that we are. Pharaoh says, I don't care. You can go worship your God, but I'm going to give you a long rope and I'm going to tell you that you're still in bondage because you're still my slave. And when it comes to come, come the time to come back, I'm going to pull you back in because you're still in bondage. You can go, just don't go too far. Be a Christian, but just don't be a fanatic Christian. Let me tell you, have you you ever heard about the elephant at the circus? How they train an elephant at the circus? They take a rope and they tie it around the elephant's neck and they put it on a post. And the elephant, one of the biggest beasts in the world, takes it and he fills that pool of that rope. And he'll keep on trying. And eventually, he will give up. They do it and they train it. So next time you have an elephant and you put it around the the rope on its neck, you can walk that elephant around the circus and it will never try to escape. Why? Because it got used to 
the bondage. Gets used to the bondage. They give up because they've accustomed, it became accustomed to being in bondage. One of the, I mean, think about that. I was, they don't have them no more, but I used to love going to the circus and just watching them just walking the elephant like a dog. I can't even train my, my mastiff at home, let alone an elephant, right? I mean, think about that. Kobe dragged me down the street, and here they are walking an elephant around. Why? Because they programmed that elephant to stay in its bondage, to not attempt to exit out. And if Satan says, you know what, as long as I have you on a rope, it could be a tight rope or a long rope, as long as that rope's on you, I'm okay with it because I have you in bondage. I'm telling you, church, we are not meant to live in bondage. Amen? Third thing I want us to see, verse 10 through 7 through 11. Pharaoh's officials said to him, how long would this man be a snare to us? Let the people go so that they may worship the Lord their God. Do you not, or do you not yet realize that Egypt is ruined? So the people are complaining, right? All these plagues are complaining. Then uh, Moses and Aaron were brought back to Pharaoh. Go worship the Lord your God, he said, but tell me who will be going. Moses answered, we will go with our young and our old, with our sons and our daughters, with our flocks and our herds, because we are to celebrate a festival to the Lord. Pharaoh said, the Lord be with you if I let you go along with your women and children. Clearly you are bent on evil. He said, forget about that. You ain't going. Verse 11, he says, no, have only the men go and worship the Lord. Since that's what you have been asking for, then Moses and Aaron were driven out of Pharaoh's presence. He says, who's going? Moses says, everybody and everything. He says, no, no, you, you guys can go. Everyone else stays. The third thing I want us to see is the deal of, of a splitting family. Splitting the family. He offered another deal. And he says, here, men, men can go, women can stay back, children can stay back. Pharaoh knew that if he split the family, the men would eventually return back home. He knew that. And if he knew that, and he said, if, if the, let the men go, he knew by a split family, he would win. He would win because they would return back to their slavery and their bondage. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Satan tries the same deal with us today. Split the family. Split the family. If he splits the family, he wins. He tells us, go ahead, live for God. But you know what? Don't go tell anybody else. Don't go tell your family. Don't go tell your friends. He feeds us the, that, that, the lies that those around us, he, he, that, that they don't want to hear the gospel, that they don't need to hear the gospel. Or what would people think about me if I share them the gospel? Satan wants everyone he can get, and that includes our friends and our family. Bless you. He wants us to focus on ourselves. He wants us to say, you know what, if you're okay, that's all you got to worry about. It's all you got to worry about. Don't be a threat. You're okay. You're party of one or two or three or four. Your four is okay. That's all you got to worry about. Don't worry about nobody else. That's a lie. That is a lie. He wants us to totally look upon ourselves. 
He wants for us to give up on our family. He wants us to give up on those we're praying for. I tell you what, I have family members that I've given up on. I have family members that I've given up on. And, 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 and God's saying, why did you give up on your family members? Why have you stopped praying for them? Or you, there's a family member that, that you know of and, and maybe you just on the borderline of saying, I just want to give up. Let me tell you this. Prayer works because there's testimony that prayer works. And I'm telling you today, don't give up on your family. Pick them back up. Pick them back up and say, you know what? I'm not going to be a house of divided. I'm going to continue praying. I'm not going to buy into the lie of Satan that it's useless, that it's worthless. But I'm going to continue praying for my family, my friends, those around me. I'm not going to, lie, I'm not going to buy into the lie of Satan. I'll tell you what, Satan doesn't want us to have Christian godly households. He doesn't want us to have Christian families. Amen? He wants to cause chaos within the family unit. He wants us to give up on those. If Moses accepted the deal, if he was only worried about himself. Remember, Moses was a man. Aaron was a man. They got the okay to leave. If it was all about me, they could have said, you know what, I don't know about you, but I'm leaving. I got the okay. Fend for yourself. He could have left. But if he made that deal, they might have made it to the promised land. But think about it. A bunch of men, you're not going to procreate. You're going to die. You're going to die. You're going to die. But Moses rejected the selfless offer. And we must do the same. Don't accept less than what God has for your life. Let's not accept the members of our family that are on the way to hell in our life. Let's not accept it, church. Let's continue moving forward. Amen? Let's not prevent, let's not be the one that prevents people from reaching the promised land. What's the promised land for us? Heaven. Let's not be the one that prevents it. Let's continue praying. The last thing I want us to see this morning in Exodus 10. It says, And Pharaoh summoned Moses and said, Go worship the Lord, even your women and children may go with you. Only leave your flocks and herds behind. But Moses said, You must allow us to have sacrifices and burnt offerings to present to the Lord our God. Our livestock too must go with us. Not a hoof is to be left behind. We will have to use some of them in worshiping the Lord our God. And until we get there, we will not know what we are to use to worship the Lord. The fourth thing the deal was, was the deal of surrendering. It was the deal of surrendering. Pharaoh presented this last deal to Moses. He says, you got everything. You got your women. You got your children. You got your men. You have everything, but you're not, we're going to take your livestock. You kill our livestock with all the plagues. We're going to take it. We're going to keep it. And what does Moses say? Nope. No. Not happening. Not happening. I'm going to tell you that. That's a tempting offer, right? When you're buying that car and you're like, man, I can really, I, I really need the car. I really don't want to pay four fifty, but I'm afraid if I say no, they're going to take the offer off the table. Okay, I'm going to agree with it. Four fifty. Deal. This, this is the last offer. This was the last offer. And some of us would have said, oh, you know what? I don't know if I'm going to get better than this. Maybe we can find something in the wilderness. Maybe we can find something in the promised land. We're going to sell it short. 
and we're going to accept what is given to us. Accepting less than the promises of God. But what did Moses do? He said, nope, I'm not taking it because God told me what I need to do. And I'm standing firm on his command. And he did not accept this last offer. But some of us would wonder, if this is the last offer, maybe this is the last chance I'll get. Maybe I'll take it. But we must remember what God has spoken into our lives and the promises that are in his word. We must stand still and stand on and stand firm on the word of God. Amen. For Israelites, they were that close of being delivered. All he had to say was deal. That close from being free of bondage. And all he had to say was was Deal, Pharaoh, we'll leave everything behind, but we'll take our men, women, and children. That close, but he rejected it. And why did he reject it? Because it wasn't what God commanded of him. Amen? He had either surrendered it to Pharaoh or he surrendered it to God. And he said, God, I know what you told me, and I'm going to surrender to you. I'm not going to surrender it to Pharaoh. Let me tell you, each deal was presented to Moses in hopes that Moses compromised. Many of you know, in Genesis 25, there's a story of Jacob and Esau. Jacob and Esau were brothers, and Esau was the older one. Uh, Just by a few seconds, Jacob was the younger one, and Esau was the oldest brother, and so when the, the father would die, Esau would have gotten all the double portion of the inheritance once his father passed away. And one day Esau came back from the field and he was so hungry and Jacob was there and he made stew and he walks into the house and he tells, tells Jacob, I'm, I'm starving, I want something to eat, give me some stew. And Jacob tells him, give me one second, let me make you a deal. Give me your birthright. And Esau was, felt like he was going to die and what was good of the birthrights if I'm dead? He goes, I'll make the deal. I'll sell you my birthrights. Give me some stew. So he took the stew and he gave up his birthrights. He took the stew that was worthless and he gave up something that was worth something. Think about that. Think about what can we take from that scripture. We have been presented a deal by the devil. And we have traded something precious. The promises of God. And we've accepted one of two things. Either less than the promises of God. Or we've accepted something that is absolutely worthless. We've traded our blessing for less than what God wanted to bless us with. We have traded God's promises for empty promises. We have traded something of value for something of no value. But let me tell you today that God is in the business of restoration. Amen? And God will take this old weary soul or young weary soul and he will turn it back into what, uh, give you back what what Satan has taken or let me add what Satan has uh, what you've given away. What you've given away. 
Years and years of things given away, relationships not working, years and years of a, a bad relationship with a husband or a wife or a mother or a father or a child or a friend, whatever it may be, God says, I'm gonna, I can restore you. Just, just allow me to restore you. Allow me to, to put you back to peace, uh, back, to, back into pieces. Stop trading your promise for worthlessness. Amen? We do that. And when we do that, what do we do? We make a deal with the devil. Don't do it. Amen? Stand with me as I close in prayer. Hopefully that encouraged you and realize that don't accept anything less than God's promise. If you know by you know and you know that God has spoken things into your life, stand upon his word and say, I'm not going to take anything less in my life. Amen? Heavenly Father, we come before you today, Lord Jesus, and I thank you for your word, Heavenly Father. And I ask you, Lord, that as we live our lives, Lord, that we don't compromise our faith, but we stand strong upon our faith, Lord. We stand strong on your word, Lord. We stand st strong on your promises, Heavenly Father. And what you have told us in our lives, Heavenly Father, we stand strong on those promises, Heavenly Father. I ask you, Lord, that we do not accept anything less than what your will is in our life, Heavenly Father. That we stop making the deal of, uh, uh, with Satan, Lord, that we stop accepting less than what you have given us, Lord. I ask you, Father, regardless if it takes a month, a year, or 10 years, Lord, we stand strong on your promises and your word, Heavenly Father. I ask you, Lord, to, to give us real life scenarios this week, Heavenly Father. Test us this week, Lord, where we stand strong and say, we will not accept less than what you will provide for us, Lord. I ask you, Heavenly Father, to show yourself real in our lives, Heavenly Father, to say, look at what the, what the word says and look what God has done in my life this week, Lord. I thank you for that, Lord. I ask you to be with us as we leave this place, Lord. Protect us. Keep us safe, Heavenly Father, and bring us back safely. Next Sunday, we pray, Lord. We thank you for that. We give you the praise and the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you, church. We'll see you next Sunday. If you need prayer, come up front.